0: Love you, friend. Love Mayo. You can be seated. I asked Sister Mayo to remain up here. What a tremendous team. I appreciate him. I appreciate his burden for the work of God, his zeal, both of them, for God's work. I don't know anybody that surpasses their burden and vision, and uh, what a blessing they've been to the church in North Little Rock, our camp meeting, and to the work of God in general. Amen. I don't know of any two people that give anymore pour themselves out with such fervency thank God for people that have a zeal for the kingdom of God It's right that you would do that They're worthy of the honor and double honor It's sad whenever you see people Discipline themselves, give themselves to be a ball player Some kind of rock star And then there's hardly any discipline when it comes to the kingdom of God Amen What great examples we have here And I want to tell you, Northwest, if the South don't wake up, y'all are definitely going to be the Bible Belt. I'm a little nervous about that. I'm so impressed with your love for God, your worship how you respond to the word of the Lord, it's just wonderful. Somebody loves Jesus. Thank God. Thankful for his goodness, and uh, I want to be mindful of the time one of my favorite preachers is fixing to preach to us here today. There's nobody that's inspired people to win souls more than Brother Godair. We love you, Brother Godair. Prayers has been for you. Eight weeks ago, eight months ago, he lost his precious companion. And I can tell you, Sister Johnette and I, we know how to pray for you. Amen. There's nothing like the help of the Lord. Praise God. Glad for all of you folks, all my friends, preacher friends here today, people from uh, Little Rock here today and back home. It's good to have them, the Paholics, brother and sister Holland, sister Campos, somewhere in this audience today. And I'm very grateful to have a companion, Worker in the gospel with me, Sister John Ed Holmes. Amen. I thank the Lord for it. Praise God. Amen. It's always good to see Brother Booker because I'm Brother Booker's stray cat. That's right. Brother Booker, I I, I got to laughing the other night, uh, yesterday when you were up here preaching. You know, you fool with stray cats, they'll get you in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) They'll get you in bad trouble. I just, I I couldn't help it. I got to laughing when I got to thinking about it. All the camp meetings and conventions, I've knocked you out of preaching. (laughs) All over (laughs) Pentecost. Y'all think I'm just carrying on, but it's literally the truth. (laughs) When they found out he preached for me, they canceled his preaching engagement. But you know, really, I've done you a favor. You're a lot better off than what you used to be. honest with you today it's what they told him when he come to preach for me why do you keep on picking up these stray cats so uh, hallelujah stray tiger. <laughs> just a little kitten <laughs> that's right amen oh is god not good is everybody in love with jesus Are we having fun? Y'all don't mind if I'm at home, do you? Amen. Would you do this for me? This this has got to make the devil mad. You like making the devil mad? I want you to turn around to a neighbor and say, welcome to the party. Somebody shout glory. Glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I've enjoyed every minister. They blessed me last night. Tremendous blessing, Brother Bass that started this off. Tremendous anointing yesterday. Brother Booker, Brother Bo, and I'm still working on that Job's wife deal. As I preached that, she said, curse God and die. And I've always said she probably said that because she already had her eye on somebody else. And I think you answered my question. I think it was that Zophar. I think she was planning on running off with him. Anyway, I can tell you this, I didn't read that out of no book, but sounds good, doesn't it? Help me obey the Holy Ghost for a few minutes. Would you do it? I want to obey the Holy Ghost. Ephesians, the third chapter and the 20th verse. Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask Go ahead and read it with me, or think. According to the power that worketh in, not him. Everybody say us. There's our challenge. The next verse, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I trust today if the Holy Ghost could challenge us all, that we could press forward in the spirit. And this is the desire and the burden of my heart today is that every one of us could be committed to having the power. There's no question about what he's able to do. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But it doesn't stop there, and many times people do. But he said, according to the power. Everybody say power. Power. That worketh within us. And he gives us the purpose of all this Taking place unto Him be, everybody say, glory Glory. in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. It's not about glorifying the flesh, it's about glorifying Him. God wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And the purpose of all that is to glorify him. That men may see your good works and glorify the Father. It's the power is what we need. More horsepower. Bigger engine to accomplish more in this world that we're living in. The spirits of hell are all around us, growing, multiplying, demons. If there's ever been a day that the church can shine for the glory of God, it's now. If we can figure out how to get the power He will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can think or we can ask. The challenge is getting the power. And to get the power, we understand what Jesus said. He told his disciples, this can come forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. Everybody say prayer and fasting. Isn't it amazing how God has connected the power up to the altar? You can't have the power until you understand the importance of the altar. Isaiah saw our day, Isaiah 56 and six said also the sons of strangers that joined themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain." and make them joyful everybody shout joyful Joyful. in my house of mine altar for mine house shall be called a house of prayer and I like this for all people Isaiah saw our day Lord God which gathereth The outcast of Israel saith yet, I will gather others to him besides those that are gathered unto him. Jesus stepped on the scene and he cleansed the temple and he told them, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. He ran out all those that bought and sold and was playing church. And the Bible tells us they were all upset. The high priest, the clergy of that day, they were all upset because he had tore up their playhouse. And he said, I want to tell you what, my house. I'm interested in his house. Not your house. Not some man's house. I want to get in his house, his house. He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer. And these critical people, they said unto him, hearest thou what these say? mark. And Jesus said unto them, yea, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise, perfect praise. They said, Can you hear what they're saying? Can you imagine them talking to the Almighty God that created mankind? Can you hear? And Jesus said, Can you read? If you'd have been able to read, you could understand what Isaiah was saying. My house. That's when the children came in the house leaping and worshiping and praising and glorifying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My house is going to be called the house of prayer. Help me, Holy Ghost, today. I'm burdening my spirit. I, You know, none of us know how much time that we've got left in this world. And Brother Mayo, I feel a tremendous burden on my heart for whatever time I've got left and whatever opportunity I have to preach. I want to preach it. I want to preach the... One of the most important ingredients in having victory, victory in our churches, revival, people getting the Holy Ghost, is that they all get turned into a house of prayer. That's the burden of my heart. Help us God, help us God, help us God, help us God. God. Oh, Jesus, would you pray with me right now? Would you lift up your voices today? God, in Jesus' name, God, in Jesus' name, God, in Jesus' name. Speak to us in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. You know, everything in the kingdom of God is a revelation. If you pay your tithes right, right. Yeah, I wrote a book about tithe and I put it in there. You know, you can uh, take yourself a little allowance out of your business and never pay your tithes right. And God doesn't care what you call it. You can call it still from God bank account. You can call it lying bank account. Whatever you want to call it, but if it belongs to you, well, I'm just a little bit sidetracked here, but it's, it's a good track. I wonder how much more things the church of the living God, and this is the burden of my heart, if people get the revelation of giving and tithe, whether you want to think of it like this or not, money equates souls. You can't buy buses without money. You can't keep these lights burning without money. You can't reach your community without money. Somebody's gotta write the check. People need that revelation. But everything in the kingdom of God is a revelation. You understand that? The carnal mind does not receive the things of God. The carnal mind draws back at everything about God. It resists the will of God and the word of the Lord. That's the carnal side of every one of us. I don't care who you are. We're still all in the flesh. And I like to tell them back home you have to do like this you have to get your flesh by the nape of the neck and you have to jerk it a couple times, get it up on its tiptoes and say, Let me tell you something, flesh. I don't care if you like it or you don't like it. You're gonna love your neighbor, you're gonna love God, you're gonna love everybody in the church. You can be seated. You know, it surprises me Ezekiel talked about it, how the shepherds, they, they drink good water themselves, but they muddy the water for the sheep. They eat good pastures themselves, but they mess up the residue of the pasture for the sheep. I'm going to tell you, this great people that's here today, wherever you're from, you're a blessed people. You're blessed to have a pastor. And you need to go home and tell him that you love him, you support him and be loyal to him and be faithful to him. I tell them back home about camp meeting, don't go home talking about camp meeting. You go home talking about how great your church is, how great your pastor is, what all y'all you've got going. But I want to tell this local church, you're blessed to have a man of God that's not muddying up the water. Hey, let me tell you, did you know preachers are some of the biggest preachers of hate? You know why? Because they're so little-minded. And we're all insecure, we all battle with that. So we gotta pick one another to pieces and find a little something human about them. I don't like his tie. God help you, you need to get the victory. you know what you're never gonna go anywhere you're never gonna do any good until you say God you're in control I'm not gonna worry about nobody else I'm gonna love everybody I'm gonna Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. You just go ahead and be seated. Y'all taking up my time now. I gotta get out of the way and give it to Brother Godare, but you need the revelation today. If you ever get the revelation of prayer, it doesn't matter what's happened in your life. I can tell you one thing you will be praying. hey let me tell you something I don't care if you're on vacation I can't tell you the times we've stretched out the covers in the floor of a motel and hotel room Sister John and I had a prayer meeting somebody said you can't pray in a motel room you know what I told them back home you need to pray when you go on vacation you need to pray in those motel rooms wait wait and if you pray in those motel rooms you won't turn that television on 'Cause Jesus won't get in the same room. You gotta make a choice which one you want. I want Jesus, I want Jesus. You just need the revelation. Oh, what well, I pray sometimes. The reason you pray sometimes is not every day. It's a type and a shadow of the New Testament when he told the children of Israel, go out every day and get that bread. You know, I... I had a misconcept when I was a young boy. I thought it was Wonder Bread falling out of heaven. But I began to read this book and I found out it was seed. And they had to take that seed and beat that seed. And then they took the seed and put it in the oven. Get the picture? Somebody said, I'm gonna pray and sit down here it don't work like that. It's not a magic wand that sweeps across you and not miracles and he does exceedingly and abundantly and above all you can ask or think. He does it through the power that works. You, hey, hey, you gotta get to an altar somewhere and beat that seed out. You gotta crush it. I'm going to get some bread out of this. I'm going to get some bread out of this. Give us this day our... Come on, shout it back to me. Not every other day. This is what's killing us. This is where we're losing the battle. Well, I prayed yesterday, so I'll go a couple days and I'll pray again. You're never gonna see exceedingly abundantly above all that you can think or ask until every day of your life. I don't know what I'm gonna get done, but I'll tell you one thing, I'm I'm gonna be praying. You're too busy, hey, nobody's too busy. That's another excuse. The devil's lied to Pentecost. That's why worldliness takes over. Nobody getting the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you something, really and truthfully, I shouldn't even be up here today. I'm the least among all these people and great preachers that are here. I really shouldn't have been preaching. I had a a brother, older brother that was, he was was amazing, he was a genius. He played keyboard, he played trumpet, he played saxophone, he played uh, banjo, Hammond organ. I've told the church this. He really should have been the pastor and the preacher. He was far more capable. He uh, had talents to no end. Really, I, I should have been working at a service station somewhere, or a Walmart greeter now. That's right. In fact, we just had an Easter drama, and Lord bless, sold over 16,000 tickets to it. And uh, that's where Sister Johnette and I stood out in front, shook their hand. They said, who are you? I said, I'm the Walmart greeter. (laughs) Welcome to I Am. But I humbly tell you, when I was a little boy, something got a hold of my spirit and I fell in love with God, and I fell in love with prayer. I had the greatest example you could ever imagine. In fact, three years ago today, she went to be with the Lord, and that was my mother. I had this tremendous example of prayer before my very eyes. My dad, he was really a smart man. He beat a drum, he leaped for joy, and he let mama do all the preaching. I don't think there's a pastor here today that wouldn't take a deal like that. We got about 52 people at work back home at the church and I tell them I want you to know the hardest job in this church is what I'm doing. Because I'm, if they got jealous of Moses, pastors, they probably somebody has gotten jealous of you also. And you can just feel little spirits in people. There's not a heavier load than preaching the gospel when you got a burden to do it. Oh God, help us. I don't know. I'm grateful today. I had this tremendous school teacher, thank God for Christian education. With all of its problems, it's still a wonderful thing. And this Christian school teacher, her name's Betty Lucas. I was in her class and grew up. She married. Betty Ollis came back a few years, took our schools. She's still in our church. She's, I don't know, 80, maybe five or six years old. But when I was just a little boy, you know, our life was around the church and we just hung out around the church. We were like the taxi driver said, what do you do on your day off? He said, I just get out and drive around. On our day off, we just went around the church. We hung out down at the church. And I got to watching this woman. (laughs) You could set your clock by it. Brother, old nose, and some of you preachers know her. At five o'clock, she'd come walking in that building and she would pray till six after teaching school all day. And I was about eight, nine years old. And uh, something got a hold of my spirit, and I said, You know what? I'm going to pray. Thank God for people that led us into prayer, spirituality. She'd walk and pray and you know what, I was just a boy and an hour's a long time and they had the old clock on the back wall of the church. That's one of the greatest things they ever did in Pentecost when they threw that clock away. (laughs) Boy, I'd look back there and it looked, looked as if that clock was broke. Five minutes seemed like an hour. It hadn't moved. Thank God, something got in my spirit oh, that's it. that said, "You said you was gonna do it. Do it." Then God called me to preach when I was sixteen years old and scared to death. Still scared. Some of y'all probably maybe remember Gus Anderson. In Helen Anderson, Louisville, Kentucky Well at about 16 years old I got dropped off up there My daddy and mother went home They left me up there to preach Man I remember getting up in the morning Going down there and praying Said God you know I'm just a boy 16 you got to help me I want to tell you something When God decides to help you No man can stop you. You ain't got to worry about men. Just get your eyes on God. Glory be to God. 28 people got baptized and there was over 50 that claimed the baptism of the Holy Ghost of speaking in other tongues. God is faithful. What a mighty God we serve. Oh, Lord. I've watched so many miracles happen. My mother was tremendously used of God. And and she got, she'd, Get to praying and praying in the spirit and talking in tongues and she'd start saying, I see McConnell, I see McConnell. I'll be honest with you, I was at home and she liked to, my goodness, drove us crazy saying I see McConnell. About three years later, and she kept doing this repeatedly. Three years later, our church burned. My daddy had a stroke. I was 19. And the church burned not long after that. And man, it looked like we were history. And uh, mother had a dream. Not long before this, the church burned. She was at the church and it was ankle deep water. And a man by the name of Charles Dyson came to her and said, uh, I've got a friend that can help y'all. She was away in Biloxi preaching a revival when the church burned. When she got back, drove by the church, um, came home and Daddy said to her, said, I got a call yesterday, and it was Charles Dyson. And he said, I've got a friend that can help you. And uh, he said his name is Reed McConnell. He was one of the biggest builders in Little Rock and duck hunted with an insurance adjuster. And the stories go on and on. I watched my brother that been, well, we found out later, sad story, he slipped through the cracks and never had even received the Holy Ghost. The day he, he found out he had prostate cancer and really a short time to live, that'll get your attention. Ruble was as hard as this wood on this pulpit. He would tell you off in just a split second if you crossed him. If you didn't, he was a nice guy to be around. But the day that he turned 55, I turned 55, he came, walked up to the front of the church, lifted up his hands, And he went to speak in other tongues and the Spirit gave the utterance. Took him to the water and baptized him in Jesus' name. I just want to leave you today with the burden of my heart. I pray some way. I don't know what you're going through. I know you're going through something. Everybody in this house is going through something. And I just pray you get the revelation. It it does not matter what I'm going through. If life is going sideways, if it's backing up, if it's going forward, it doesn't matter which way, what's up or down. I'm going to commit myself It's tremendous what God's doing in this place. Hey, let me tell you something. If you think this is happening everywhere, you go wherever you want to go and you'll find out it's not happening. You could take these same speakers and preachers and put them over in some place, cold, indifferent, charismatic, loose, liberal, Hey, would y'all mind if I pat you saints on the back? You know the reason these preachers can preach with such a liberty? You know why? Because there's liberty in the pews. Brother Talley, we've all been there and done it. You preached to a bunch of half backslid, cold, indifferent Laodicean saints. There is no liberty. We've got the greatest saints on earth. Thank God for you wonderful people that love this glorious truth. You're behind your pastor. You're behind your church. You're in love with God. You're in love with prayer. You can just remain standing. The whole burden of my heart I've been praying ever since I've been here, about and before about this service. If some way, and I know every minister that's ministered here has the same burden, if we can propel it just a little farther, that your vision becomes a little more clear, that you stop up your ears to the lying spirit of hell that says, you know, you prayed and it didn't work. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for somebody that makes the commitment. I'm gonna pray, I don't care what you do, devil. I'm gonna pray regardless. Yes. you have it's all right, going. I'm going to pray regardless. Have I got anybody convinced yet? Or are you going to get off that stuff? I prayed three days ago, but it's not important for me to pray today. Are you going to just pray when you're at the summit and when you go home, you forget about prayer? I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if nobody else prays in your church. I pray you get the vision and you go to that church. You know, the devil has lied to people. You know, the only, only thing, and I don't want to be critical of my dad, but, you know, when I, when I of course, I grew up in this, And they would do those prayer meetings. You know, the church would get in trouble or slow down. Or maybe a prominent family. Hallelujah, went across town to some wild liberal church. I'm going to tell you something. If you pray, somebody may leave, but it won't hurt you. Hey, I've had that too. Nobody never knew they were gone. We just. We were on a roll, brother. We were on a roll. It was their hard luck. But that, you know, he would do that one to two, two to three, three to four. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Who will take Monday? Who will take Wednesday? Who will take Thursday? Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Sure you do. And this is what got in my spirit. Because always revival would break out again. Man, it would take off afresh. And then about 30 or 40 days later, it just... I said, what would happen if you never stopped praying? Listen, when we come out of that fire, you know, I'd, I'd really, had, had never even thought of this. And a man in the church, Brother Clinton Looper, he said to me, Brother Holmes, you know there couldn't have been more than about 70 people left when we come out on the other side of that fire. And I got to thinking and counting up and he, he'd already done his math. But, and then, you know, struggling and battling I started having 5.30 prayer meetings. I thought that that's the only time God was awake. I've discovered he's awake 24-7. So I said, what would happen? I remember having those prayer meetings and and you know, it did the same thing on me again. It, about 30 days, I started off about 30 people or so. And about 30 days later, I had about four men meeting me up there at that church. And man, I was praying, my throat was getting hoarse, and I was getting mad, and the bad spirit was on me. I was trying to make it sound like a prayer meeting, and they were sleeping. But something got in my spirit that said, don't stop, Joel Holmes. And I fought that devil. Then I had a man to play the piano and my good mother told me, she said, son, let me tell you something. She was such a wise woman. She said, I've watched daddy. Said, if trouble comes up in church, he just handled it. And said, well, the Bible says it. When you rip out those tears, you're going to get some wheat. And he'd knock a lot of wheat out getting the tear out. Hello? And she put that in my spirit, in my heart so I had a man, very influential man, his mother and dad was at our church, his two aunts was at our church, his wife and three children were in our church and had a bunch of friends. But he was drinking on Saturday night, I heard. And he'd even got intoxicated with the wrong bottle. And he was playing the grand piano on Sunday night. And you believe he had the nerve to come back up there and play that piano? Let me tell you something about sin. It's bold. So you know what? That got me to go into that church. And I would crawl up under that grand piano. And I'd say, God, I'm going to see how you're going to work this one out. How you going to fix this one? I don't believe it was a week later that man come to me for no reason at all. He said, Brother Holmes, I'm not coming back anymore. I said, oh, man, you don't need to do that. You need to live for God. His mother and daddy stayed in the church. His two aunts stayed in the church. His wife is still in the church. That's been 35, 40 years ago. She's still in the church today. I walked by that grand piano and put my hand on it and said, Don't you get in any more trouble. So far it hadn't gotten any more. I just pray every church and then I started preaching that come by the church and pray. I got the revelation that Do you think he really meant that he could have called it my house as a house of worship he could have said it's my house as a house of preaching and it's all that but can i tell you something if you don't pray you can't worship if you don't pray you'll get mad when the preacher preaches we do is rooted in prayer there's no growth if you don't pray there's no revival if you don't pray I'm quitting but uh, let me tell you to join that fasting club too did you know If you give God one day a week, one day, one day that at the end of the year, if you hadn't added any days to it, you have give him 52 days, you're getting close to two months. Don't minimize and not do anything because you can't do a 10 day fast. Let's lift our hands and thank God. I cannot tell you how much I am thanking